0: Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris and Scott Lees with another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. Uh, here with someone who we both have uh, grown to know and admire over the last many, many, many years, someone I've looked up to as I've built my business, uh, Lori Richardson. So Lori, welcome to the Surf and Sales Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. So just for contact, for context, um, and you know, for, for the you know, 1.1% of people who don't know who you are, right? <laughs> kind of like who's never been on an airplane, you got to pay attention. Uh, what what are you do like what is your current organization with score more sales? You also have women sales pros. Like just give people some context of where you're coming from and and to a certain extent feel free to go back to well, you know, I started my sales career here.
1: Sure, I I began my sales career in my early 20s and I uh, about after about 15 or so years um, working in sales, mostly tech sales, uh, got into some leadership and then did a little diagonal, got into building corporate university and, and always focused on learning and sales and sales uh, development. So in term, when I say sales development, I mean developing everybody in sales. Um, And in 2002, actually not far after 9-11, I started my sales consultancy, which is Score More Sales. So we help mid-market, large SMB companies uh, to solve sales issues and to fix problems that they have in hiring salespeople and in just evaluating the health of their existing sales team. And about five years, six years ago, I started women's sales pros because I realized that it turned out most of my clients were male and I didn't understand why that was after being in sales so long and knowing how well women could do. So I I run both of those and, you know, different tracks. Sometimes they, they cross over and overlap.
2: You, you mentioned um, starting your consulting firm in 2002, kind of Maybe I, I heard this wrong, but sort of like post 9/11. Was there any? Was 9/11 sort of a catalyst in any way for you to take a big, you know, kind of leap and and you know make that make that shift? I'm asking. I'm asking because I wonder if people, you know, are using this moment as a catalyst to maybe go start their own businesses and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, there there's a lot of comparisons and i've had a lot of conversations over the the other you know some of the other hurdles we've we've over, overcome in the past for me um, it it was coincidental that 911 11 when 911 happened my company was about to be acquired and my position which was probably more highly paid than it should have been <laughs> was just one of those that was targeted to be eliminated because we already had somebody in, in the place that was acquiring us. And um, I just happened to realize that I really didn't want to be a salesperson. I really didn't want to be a sales leader, but I wanted to help companies. Once nine eleven happened, I realized there was a real tough economy uh, for some time. And I did want to help. Companies to solve their sales issues, and my company that let me go actually became my first client. As it turned out, they liked me; they just didn't want to pay me my big salary. <laughs> so that's how it all started.
0: <laughs> that's great. You talk about, um, and I know you because you know I've had deep conversations about this, about sort of the psyche of the salesperson and analyzing, you know, sales teams. Um, you know, at a, at a high level, what are you seeing as the strengths of salespeople, right? And it doesn't mean, look, everybody's got to be a high D on the DISC scale or an I or whatever, right? Like it's, I think people gravitate to that because it's just sort of what we've heard and known. What are some of the other things that you've learned that you would encourage people to look for when they're hiring salespeople?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that nobody knows everything. You know, we don't have all the there's, it's not black and white. Sales has been an elusive category. It's been an elusive area for many years. I mean, years ago, we just called it the black hole, you know, because nobody really knew who was doing what. And we certainly have a lot, a lot of tools now to help with that. Um, But I, I came at it from the standpoint that I was doing a lot of training and working with sales teams. And I couldn't really tell when I delivered some training whether it made any difference or not and i got very frustrated with the fact that i couldn't measure my results and and the more i did it the more frustrated i got and that's when i started looking into tools to help measure performance and to help understand what makes up a good salesperson so for me you know it's um it's the will that that people that's one of the the strongest areas of importance for sales is to have those characteristics that make up the will um, to. to and what, are,
0: what do you think those characteristics are? What have you? How do you try to pinpoint that?
1: Um, you know, it's it, it's whether you have the desire and whether you have the commitment, um, and then what your outlook is. I heard Kevin Gaither's interview with you guys recently. Um, there's a lot of parallels, motivation and responsibility. If someone won't take responsibility, uh, it's going to be tough. If they're not coachable, it, it, you might, it's just a futile, it's going to be a futile effort. So what a lot of people have looked for traditionally, which are sales skills and industry knowledge, I, I think that's just detail. I mean, we can train anybody on, on sales skills. And we can train, um, you know, we can train on our industry for that matter. But what we can't train on is your outlook, deep down the outlook that you have, your responsibility, your motivation, and, you know, and your desire.
0: This, uh, this aligns with Scott 100%. Like Scott's been doing this, you know, Scott, Scott's sitting here. Going in his head, he's like, "Man, if I'd have just figured out how to way to take this out of my brain and put it in a machine, I'd be retired." Right? Yeah. So, so Scott, just again from your perspective, right? How do you? Because I know you, Will is important and their story is important. How are those things for? How do you try to measure that for people when you're when you were hiring folks?
2: Oh man, <clears throat> well, I mean, Lori already said that it's a bit of a mystery and nobody has all the answers. So okay. let me just start with that. That, uh, you know, if I was going to go hire 20 AEs right now, I'm sure I'd screw up hiring at least a few of them um, because it's not <clears throat> it's not easy. But, you know, I, um, I tend to gravitate towards people who've demonstrated some of these things in non-work environments. So people who've been through the ringer, maybe health-wise or relationship-wise, or have just overcome and had to struggle, you know, maybe they... Work their way through school for example rather than um you know having scholarships just some just these different ways that people have exhibited um some type of tough toughness maybe is a word that i that i like yeah. um, you know and, and Lori used the word will it's like will to succeed maybe will to go on will to continue to to persist and pursue goals and that kind of thing. So I try to get people to open up and tell me some, some stories from their life. Um, So I learn a little bit about, about who they are Um, much like Lori. I think I I could care less about somebody's industry experience. Um, And I certainly can train people uh, who don't have much sales experience in general, if they've got some of these other things. So, you know, I, I, I tend to care more about who somebody is, right now what made them that and what do they want to end up being what do they want to become next and so i'm just trying i try to just learn about somebody to judge for those things
1: yeah right? doesn't hurt to have a little chip on your shoulder
2: absolutely right? I've absolutely i've got
0: to say that a thousand times <laughs>
2: yeah no. not really <laughs> yeah what is where does your where does your chip come from Lori? if i if i can ask the, the yeah. chip on your shoulder
1: Absolutely. Well, I, you know, my first sales job in, in, you know, beyond when I was young, when I had a, I had a lemonade stand on a dead end street. So that's how I learned referral selling. (laughs) Um, But, uh, I, uh, I got into tech technology sales in, you know, as my first job in sales in my early twenties. And I was a single mom and I had a chip on my shoulder because I just wanted to get in there and learn everything and do what I had to do and sell and get out of there. And um, and I wanted to be in the top 20%. That was always my goal.
0: So, what the, But what was the chip? Was it that I am a single mom? Was it that, hey, this looks like a boys club, so I really need yeah. to succeed? Like.
1: No, not, no. it was just incredibly hard um, for me to juggle everything. And so I had a very supportive, amazing group of, of people that I worked with. We were mm-hmm. all, it, it was just an incredible group of both reps and leaders. And I, I, I attribute some of my success to the fact that I had such a good first experience. Um, not all of them after that were. But it was it was just hard, you know. It's just it's it's hard um, when you are the sole breadwinner and you don't have a big supportive family or you know network to help you out. And and I think that that just kept me focused and and hungry and determined.
0: What did you do? Because it's very different, right? Like you know, it wasn't always easy where you could just text someone, say, Hey, can you go pick up my child or can you go do the you know? It was was totally different, like. What kinds of things did you sort of, how how did you manage through that? My mom was a single mom, so I know how she did it, but I'm always curious because it's very different now generationally.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I had to find companies that were as supportive as possible. I, you know, it, it totally varied um, in the different industries and, or in the different organizations. And I you know, I just juggled stuff. I mean, to this day, I probably juggle too many projects because I'm just used to doing that, that kind of mindset, so it's, it's probably I probably do less of a top job in any one area because I'm juggling things and i I think it's just from what i just from the way it was for so long
0: one one more sort of question on that. You talked about that you had this great group of of teammates and leaders yeah and what kind of traits do you you know i'm thinking there's got to be a couple of single parents out there right now that are that are going through this and what are the things that you noticed in that leadership that made you and i would say loyal because they understood your world right like they they were willing to support you anything you could sort of tell people to look for in those leaders
1: yeah look for people that that care about who you are and, and what your goals are. I mean, it's great to have company goals and corporate goals, but we all have individual goals. We all have aspirations. And I think if you feel like you're really being seen and heard, that's something that I hear from people, uh, individual contributors periodically is that they don't feel like their opinion is being valued and they don't feel like their manager is listening, you know, that, that direct supervisor, that's the one that is going to influence us the most as to whether we want to hang around or not. And most, as you guys know, that's a very lacking area in terms of training and coaching. And, and so that's a big, a big takeaway for me was how important that role is of the frontline sales managers and how they need to be coached and trained on an ongoing basis.
0: Got it. Got it. Did you have a, I'll ask one last question and then Scott wants to jump in. You said you had this chip on your shoulder when you, you know, as you became the single parent bread, bread breadwinner, but did you have a chip on your shoulder when you were a kid too? Was Lori, you know, that competitive or was this sort of situationally created for you?
1: Yeah. I was the youngest of five, so <laughs> I had to speak up and I had to I had to get out there because i I didn't nobody cut me a break in my family and and I would say uh, i I am competitive i'm I, I I'm not one of those win at all costs kind of people, but I do like to win and and I don't like to lose so I, I think that that came from i don't know where it came from really a um, little bit of sports but it was really is probably some of my, my relatives more than anything else.
2: I want to go, I want to go back to your story about the lemonade stand on a dead, dead end street, I think is yeah. what I was saying, how it taught you about the power of, of referrals. Yeah. What, what could AEs do right now to increase the number of referrals that they're able to generate for themselves?
1: Everybody has adjacent industries um, that call on some of the same people, and if you can identify reps and thought leaders and just people in industries that also call on the companies that you call on, they can make for really powerful recommenders and advocates um, so I think that's the first the first idea that I would offer and um you know just building up a strong network of people in general and and getting to know people and and working to build your own brand uh, as an a e you don't spend all your time on it but but you do work to build it outside of your company. I think that's important
2: yeah, I think that referrals tends to be something that is really tricky for uh for AEs to kind of crack yeah. the code of or whatever. What 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 did you do with the lemonade stand? How did you get referrals? Were you savvy enough at that age to to say, hey, go go tell your friends, go tell your parents or whatever?
1: What we did, yeah, yeah. My siblings help with that too, um, and and kids at school. But yeah, that's what we did because yeah, we were on this little. It was actually called Icky Bartlett because I lived on Bartlett avenue and it was a little skinny part of of the road which was just a few blocks long and uh it seems silly i don't even know why i thought i could do it in the first place but i've always tackled crazy projects and and so um yeah over time word of mouth and people told other people and and it was a pretty thriving little lemonade stand if i i might say
0: how, how long did you have this lemonade stand? Was this like a couple of weeks or was this like, no, this is really what I did for a long time.
1: Oh, it was a couple of summers for sure. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. And then eventually I ended up working in my grandmother's clothing store. My grandmother had a women's retail apparel store and I grew up in Seattle and it, it, her, com, you know, her big competitor was probably Nordstrom at the time. And she was just a little shop. Um, but that's where I learned all sorts of other sales lessons, which I didn't know at the time. You don't, you don't know these things until much later, but I realized I learned a lot because she never discounted except once a year, and she had a really good relationship with her customers, and she also um, stood up for herself, and, and she, that made a big impression on me.
0: What does that mean, stood up for herself?
1: Well, about uh, three or four times a year when you're in the apparel business, y- you buy merchandise. And so uh, if you're in Seattle, uh, you don't have a market week like they do in New York or L.A. And so the the salesmen, and they're all, all men at the time, they would come to you. So they would set up in a fancy hotel in downtown. And we would go in and you'd go from room to room and choose the clothing that you'd be selling in an upcoming season, so I'd go with my grandmother, and she would uh, see things that she knew her customers wouldn't like because she knew her customers really well. And she would tell the tell these guys, you know, m- my customers won't buy that. And they'd say, "Oh, Mrs. Hall, oh, you know, you just don't really know what you're doing. Uh, you, you know, this is what this is a younger thing. This is a new thing." And she'd say, "No, no, my my customers won't like it." And they'd say you're crazy. I remember them saying that to her, and she'd say go to hell. And <laughs> she'd stick to her guns. And then, uh, sure enough, it was like midi skirts or maxi skirts, something that wasn't a big hit. It was, it was just you know very much a fad. And the next time we'd go to the market week, they'd say, oh, Mrs. Hall, you were right. And she'd go, <laughs> I, know I was, and and I. She's probably the first woman that I ever saw stand up to, to people and just say, I know my customers. And, and later on, I, I came to realize that was a really powerful lesson.
2: That's a great story. You, you, you talked about um, taking on lots of projects and spreading yourself thin and, and whatnot. This is, this is a subject like very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> yeah. I objects. Yeah, because I uh, tend to think that I, I can do everything all at once, all at the same time. How, how, how are, have you learned to say no to projects that might be shiny and interesting and might be lucrative as well? Um, and, and, you know, say no to those things and feel confident and comfortable with your decision. This is something that I'm trying to learn, so I need to be taught by Lori right now.
1: Well, over time, and I'm older than you guys, um, I've learned that, you know, if you want to do something well, you just can't, you can't spread yourself out too thin. So if I really want to give something the, the time that it needs and the attention it needs, I have to say no to other things. And what I have found most successful is that I track projects, you know, I, I keep all my client projects in in a project plan. I keep all the other things that I'm working on as projects. So my book is a project, um, my podcast is a project. Um, other things that I'm doing would be set like projects. And then from that I actually break it out and every week I look at the tasks that need to be done and main goals. So I work to do to accomplish three things in each project. And if I can't get to them all, then I, you know, I have to carry them over. Um, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it works pretty well. I'm visual. So I need to see it. So I'm, I'm one of those mind map kind of people. And, you know, I can see all the things. And when I see everything, I go, Oh, I can't possibly do all that. So then I have to pick and, and I'll narrow it down. Like if
2: there, is there like a certain set of criteria that you might might use to say yes or no to to certain things beyond the obvious, maybe of, you know, this one's going to pay 10 times more.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I definitely weigh them and, and rate them. So I have a rating scale of the value based on what's most important for the future and what's most important for now.
0: Um, So let me ask you this question, because this is actually where Scott's struggling uh, is that, There are things you can do that are absolutely financially lucrative, right? They're going to make money right now. And then there are things for the brand, right? The Lori Richardson brand, the women's sales pros brand. How do you balance that piece between the money piece that's immediate or sooner versus the brand piece, which will drive revenue in the future, right? Yeah. How do you balance that in your, in your scale?
1: Yeah, it's hard, it's hard. I mean, I always said for people starting out, for those that might be starting out in a consultancy, I always say that it takes two people to build a solopreneur business. So, you know, it's it's nearly impossible to to do things or to have enough financially to, and, and just be lucky enough to find the right people to help you bring your brand and everything together. It's very hard. Um, I work with other people. You know, we have input and we have support that help us. But also, it's not perfect. I mean, there. Are, I'm not a perfectionist. I guess is one thing to my advantage. And so, if something looks like I've neglected it, you know, it's not the end of the world for me. And I know that I'm focusing on bigger things, which is helping clients, helping future clients, um, sharing my you know lessons learned as I can with others and and working to to you know be as helpful as possible in this industry but it's hard
2: yeah one of one of of my big challenges is that um I keep my I keep myself really busy and I'm fortunate to be doing really well right now but the ideas that I get tend to be like very big and like absurd almost in in how much work and effort might go into to something um and i heard you say earlier that i can't remember exactly how you phrased it but you're like a fan of like wild kind of crazy ideas and and whatnot so how, how have you how have you decided which of these kind of wild hair ideas to to pursue and which ones to like table or you know, give over to Richard and let him run with it. Right. That kind of, that kind
1: yeah. of. Well, first of all, I think creativity is a gift. And can you imagine the opposite? Can you imagine not getting big ideas and not seeing something that could really impact people and be awesome? I mean, there are people like that that don't no. have that.
0: that uh, that's I that's think you? Scott and I are that way. Scott's way more the dreamer. And I'm like, okay, that's a great dream. Now, here's how we're gonna do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I
0: think that's why we enjoy working together. But that's
1: right. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say that as long as you have a Richard, you know, you're, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna, and vice versa.
0: That's it, oh, Scott. You're stuck with me now, buddy. Oh my gosh,
2: okay. I can't believe you said that.
1: <laughs> you'll find, but you find people that are practical out there that are, that, you know, they're the spreadsheet people. I, I could do a deal. You probably could too, Scott, you do a deal on a napkin in a restaurant, right? And yeah. just, you know, come up with the general idea, handshake, and we're off and going. And, and I always had trouble with the, even when I was very first in sales, I remember people would come in with spreadsheets and, you know, they'd be comparing features and oh, I just I couldn't stand that detail. It's like, I, I couldn't deal with that kind of person.
2: Scott, so I I'd pass I, him I, off I, I to Richard. He, yeah.
1: <laughs> My it, Richard, and that would work out well. This is,
2: this is your new business, Richard. You, you're just going to be, you know, everybody's Robin to Batman. You <laughs> balance, balance everybody out because Lori and I can't handle, you know, spreadsheets and like, you know, reality sometimes. Right. <laughs> the
1: truth though, as, as you get older, I think you learn, you know, you compensate for what you're lacking. And, and I do, I was on a spreadsheet this morning. I mean, I have learned some basic strategies for keeping track because the worst thing for me is losing details and losing important, an important note or an important idea just because I had too much going on. Like to me, that's, you have that's a- the
2: worst. You have a painful story that you could share of, of uh, losing, losing a note or a, or a, de- a deal because you were too yeah. scattered.
1: How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've lost multiple deals just from lack of information, you know, lack of detail or even a reminder on the calendar. Pretty soon you're like, "Oh, whatever happened to that guy?"
0: Yeah. <sighs> I do have that problem.
1: Yeah and so you just you know you get it put a note on the calendar sometimes i wake i'll wake up at you know i don't know whenever in the middle of the night and i i will just i have a pencil and paper and i just write down you know call so-and-so or because i wake up in a panic sometimes not all often but just like oh i didn't do something and, and it hits me. So the more you can put out there, I, I was a really big um, student of time management a while back, and you know just getting getting things done and how to best do that. and And there's no one way for any, this is another thing. It's kind of like you know sales and marketing and big c- topics. There's no one way that everyone can do time management or what we call self-management well. Right? you we have different personalities and and while a mind map works for me a spreadsheet might work better for somebody else but you know you finding the tools that work well for you uh, i think is a good good key
0: um i want to I want to shift this a little bit um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, women in sales and women's sales pros um, it, you know it's a big initiative and it's something I've, I've tried to help you support you know
1: yes well. and thank you you've
0: done. Yeah, of course. Um, and I, and I know Scott does, you, you may not know it, but I know how Scott thinks around this stuff too. Yeah. You said you started women's sales pros five years ago, right? Six years ago.
1: Yeah. About six.
0: Yeah. So what, what do you feel like the environment looked like then? And what do you think it's feeling like now? Because I, and again, I'm, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm of a different gender, so I see it getting better but I also don't experience it. Like I don't experience as a woman. I'm not a sales leader who's hiring. What are, are there things you're noticing that are, that are getting better?
1: Um,
0: or different, I should say, maybe better is not the right word.
1: Yeah. I think different is the word. Um, a few years ago, not many people were even talking about it. I think um, very few people. We're talking about it. And then more and more research started coming out, you know, about four, even five years ago, we started seeing CEB, which is now Gartner, um, Discover Org, which is now Zoom Info. You know, they, they did a couple of different things and more people were doing, doing studies. And now it's more common than not that someone will do a study about gender about diversity and inclusion and so people are talking about it which is really good so what I found a couple years ago is that you didn't have to sell anybody on the idea it's like people got it they just didn't know how to make it happen and and so the change that I've seen is that there are more women in frontline sales roles and there are more women as frontline managers But beyond that, that's where our gap is, is that, you know, the fact that there's between 13 and 18% of VP sales and above are women, depending on the study that you look at, and that that number has been flat for more than 12 years, like, that's a problem, you know, that's a real problem. Because we know that women can be great leaders and we know that women can be great in sales. doesn't mean everybody is just like, not all men are either. Um, but the, the lack of diversity is just, it's mind boggling, um, to me at times. And, and, and it shows that there are a lot of, it's a complex issue. There's no one thing that a flip that switch or switch that's flipped and then it's all better. Um, so, I think right now this moment with COVID-19, work from home, and how sales is going to change in the future is a pivotal moment, and we all have the opportunity to make sales what we want it to be in the future. We don't have to go back to what we did before.
2: So what, what are some of the specific things that you're working on in order to bring about this you know, much-needed change? what are some of the things that that you are like, okay, well, I can do these one, two, three things. These, yeah, you can do these 10 things.
1: Yeah. And that's when I'm like you and I want to do (laughs) a hundred things. I have to pick. You're right. I have to pick. So one thing that I am, am doing is I support and women's sales Pro supports all the efforts that anyone is doing male or female to help advance the cause of more, um, diversity, and, and inclusion of all types in sales. That includes mental health, that includes age, that includes um, ethnicity, everything. So um, I would like to see sales reflect who the buyers are and what buyers look like and who, how buyers are. Um, so I try to feature, uh, and we're doing more of this, to feature uh, and, and highlight um, women who are doing cool things. Um, when someone on LinkedIn will say, hey, what are the top books that you like? I'll mention the books that women sales pros have written. And not because I think they're better, but I think they're different. Because if you just look at a list, anybody's list of top 100 books, you know, 92% are written by men. And that's fine, because that's what's happened in the past. But there are also some really great insights that people can gain um from you know from a little little change of
0: the list right it's the same list of 100 right like i I like that list that you have because it's like these are not because you know maybe with the exception of you know trish and jill conrath right like i i honestly wouldn't know who else like so tell people some of these but like people who are listening like what who are they because i don't know and i'm i'm openly ignorant about it
1: yeah I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out, but um, you know, uh Lisa Earl McLeod, Sale Selling with Noble Purpose, Julie Hansen, Act Like a Sales Pro. Um a while back, Colleen Francis wrote a book called Nonstop Sales Boom. Um, all the, you know, the Jill Conrath books are great. They she hasn't written anything in a couple of years, but um most of them are pretty timeless. Um, you, there's you, a
2: mentioned, you mentioned that you're working on a book.
1: Yes. Can,
2: can you share? It? Can you yeah. share the the topic? What it, what it's? Yeah,
1: it's it's called She Sells, and it's about attracting, retaining, and promoting great women in B 2 B sales. So it's written for uh, the sales leaders and company leaders that ask me questions all the time and bring me in to consult with them on how to not just hire more women, but to keep them. I believe right now, you know, in addition to it being a great opportunity for more women sales leaders, it's also uh, a time when women who might be heads of households or um, you know, even in a two parent family, they're probably running the household and there might be kids that they're homeschooling and then they have a quota and they've lost some customers. And my goodness, that's a lot of pressure for somebody to have when, and if, if I can move over into a different role, um, support or something else, um, maybe I'll do that. And and so I think we may lose some of our our women in in sales because of that, just because of the pressure from right now.
0: Scott, I'm glad we got Lori on now because that book's going to be a bestseller, like legit <laughs> New York Times. I'm 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 calling it out right now. No pressure, Lori. <laughs> thanks, Richard. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Seriously, like that's that's an amazing. That's that's going to be an amazing book, and I look forward to seeing it and reading it, and and then sharing it with people I know. So
1: you know, I was first, I was bummed out that I didn't get it done sooner, but then when COVID hit, I realized I really want it to be a post-COVID book. So it's not like, oh yeah, that was a nice to have, but now we're like survival. We're in survival mode. It's we can do both. We yeah. we can we can craft things the way we want to. It's up yeah. to us.
0: Do you do you? You know, there, there's the gender disparity, um, and, and we could even just call it ethnic disparity. It's it, it's way more yeah. than gender, right? Right. Do you think it's Do you think it's because women have been shied away, or is it because women were sort of thought to go to marketing because sales wasn't necessarily a degree to follow? Like, what are you like? And again, like you said it yourself, there's no one thing, right? Right.
1: It's a but bunch of things.
0: There's a bunch a, of things.
1: It's a bunch of things. People like my daughter-in-law who said, you know, I, I went into marketing so I could get a degree. You can't get a degree in sales. You know, when she went through, now there are 160 sales programs. I don't know if you knew that yeah. because people kind of toss around 50 or 60. I've heard people say that a lot. Uh, there are more sales programs and more programs that aren't connected with, with universities where you can get an education learn to sell and and then get a job so that's really great news i wish we had that when i had started i I would have loved that Um, i actually went through an apprenticeship program because when i left teaching i I was a teacher until i became a single mom and i couldn't afford uh to raise my family i guess that gave me my chip on my shoulder right there (laughs) but um but i um i looked at all these non-traditional jobs for women like you know pouring cement and scaffolding and all these blue collar things and it wasn't until the the guy came in and talked about technology and then i somehow connected that i could sell it because i grew up in, in my grandmother's store and amazingly miraculously through no planning uh, of my own, I kind of stumbled into the beginning of the the technology era, you know, in the 80s. So it, it worked out really well for me, but it, it wasn't because of a grand plan.
0: I don't think sales is re- sales is rarely the grand plan. Right. I think that we've all seen that happen.
1: Well, I intentionally looked for a sales job. I mean, I, I intentionally I knew I could sell. And that's a difference with a lot of people I talk to that i i intentionally left teaching which is w- what my dream was to be uh, to make more money and i went in to make money and support my family
2: and but the but the beautiful thing and nobody explained this to me <clears throat> and i i just and you everybody knows this but like what you're doing all day every day is teaching people yeah i know so you, you found a way to marry the two you know um, miracle. Passions, right? Together, and so yeah. that's the that's the sweet spot, right? Exactly. I think most people, you know, to find real fulfillment and, and
1: helping. We're helping in <laughs> in our sales role, and I believe that sales is we're the helpers that are going to get the economy back. You know, we're part of the answer. We're part of the solution, and it's really awesome to be part of a solution and not just you know frozen like what's going to happen we know what's going to happen. We're going to help this economy get kickstarted again and get back to, you know, not only where we were, but beyond that.
2: I mean, you talked about being able to get an education. I mean, with everybody working from home, there's been a, um, just a flood of like daily online events where people are, you know, dropping knowledge and helping everybody else out. And if I was trying to learn the, the craft and the field of sales. I feel like I could be getting a bachelor's degree in selling right now, right now from home, whether it's so-and-so's event here, this happy hour here, this webinar there, all the different podcasts and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> are you, do you have favorites that, that you, you know, steer people, people towards things that well, I, you, I'm
1: just laughing because that's overwhelming too.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I know if you're
1: like me. I'm like, you yeah. know, I could go ten hours and not hit every happy hour and you know invite yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. podcast next week is outreach's event and you right. know it's there's just uh, so many things going on. But yeah.
2: are you are you excited to to give your talk? What are you talking about at the Unleash event?
1: Can yeah, um, so I I um, am with Henry Shuck, uh, the CEO of Zoom Info. And Liz Kane, who's a partner with OpenView, and um, talking all about leadership in tough times, and and a little diversity thrown in there. So um, that's that's a great that's a that's a great time for me, you know, to to talk with leaders that are in the midst of you know a lot of big decisions and, and issues to be thinking about.
0: That's awesome. What what are some are there any suggestions you can give to either diversity of gender, male or female, about working with the other? Right, because as much as we don't want to sort of you know what's the word I'm looking for Um, stereotype people, there are just differences in humans, right? There are just certain differences. So, what are the things you've been able to learn and glean upon to help others expand their own horizon?
1: yeah i think well i don't think i know (laughs) this this is one of my crutch words think um what i know is that we can't know enough communication like we can always learn communication skills that will be more helpful and and often they're just miscommunications or we're saying the same things only differently and i think that if you have a bigger picture mindset that's what helps me is to try try to be bigger picture if that makes sense and and ask for clarification and and just you know focus on common goals rather than the minutia or details
0: any example come to mind that you can, we're like, oh, here's something I've experienced. I don't, I don't want you to bash anybody, but I, you know, I no, would like it, a great example.
1: I, I mean, it, I think it happens a lot of times when, like I, I say that I, I hear from a lot of women who feel like their immediate supervisor isn't supporting them and isn't isn't listening to them and isn't helping them to get to where they want. Well, the the research that Dr. Joelle Laban and I have been doing uh, shows that, you know, women and men are different as we know, women and men are different, but women are different in terms of some of the things that they want to see happen. When you start it at a new company, um, I I wanna know more about what my future potential is there. I wanna know about the professional development opportunities. And, and I think that women tend to, not exclusively, the women tend to plan a little further out. And so I'm thinking like, okay, this is great now and for next year, but you know, in five years, where I think men don't necessarily do that as much. It's more like, what does it pay? Who's Who am I working for? What's the commute? You know, it's and 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 I just think that, that that's one of the reasons why women stay in a role a year longer than men do, you know, as part of the reason that that research has shown. And, um, and we're, we're just thinking too much, too, too far out sometimes.
0: So Scott, I, I know Scott and I are grinning because we're both thinking about our wives. Yeah. How, you know, things are being th- thought of. And we're like, no, no, just solve the problem, right? Let's just solve right. the problem. A, and that's good,
1: and we need to embrace that, right? If we can just accept that, that you might uh, have a different perspective than me. I
2: mean, I'm also okay. laughing at the, the suggestion that I might be able to think five years ahead in anything yeah. in my life, let alone sales or, or business or career. <laughs> I,
0: have a question, you know, the, I don't have the, that skill. The, the statistic is, and I, and I know we kind of got to wrap it up, but you know, the statistic is that you know, the average VP of sales lasts 18 months. Is there a statistic yet that talks, that breaks that down by gender? And I wonder if women are lasting longer.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, um, but I'd like to. I would be, like
0: to. That'd be an interesting statistic, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. maybe LinkedIn can help us.
0: Yeah. So Shout out tell to us.
1: LinkedIn if anyone's listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that, that, this has been great, Lori. Thank you for coming on. You, you, you shared a bunch of great stuff and I love your storytelling. So I'm, I'm excited for your book too. So I appreciate Thank it. You. What Thanks what can so we do to help great. you? Yeah. What, how can we help Lori?
1: Well, here's what everybody can do to help me and to help, um, what I'm championing, uh, for more diversity and inclusion on sales teams is to, when, when you see things like on LinkedIn, when it's a list of all guys, um, when you see podcasts that are all guys, which most sales podcasts are, um, just keep an open mind. And and women don't want to be the ones to say, hey, where, where are the other books? Um, I'll, I'll always do it because I don't mind doing that. And I'll, I'll post my list of books and I'll post uh, other authors and things like that. But it's nice to have you guys do it because it, we can't change anything without you. It, it takes, it takes men to help change sales and, and we need your help.
0: What are, what are the women led podcasts you're listening to? I, and I'll be honest, I can't think of one and it, and I'm not a huge podcast guy, but are are there women out there doing this?
1: Yeah. Um, Barb Giamanco has had one for a while on, Uh, conversations with women in sales Um, and there are I have a a half a dozen others that um, they're not all coming to the top of my head Um, but there are some that people have started up Suzanne Paling started one Um, there are some others and I'd be happy to put a list together I think that would be good
0: yeah no I I just want to make sure people think about it because I don't think about it and I want to make sure we give people that opportunity. So,
1: Yeah. And, and another thing is that a lot of podcast hosts will say that it's hard to find women to appear. And if anyone has that trouble, please feel free to reach out and I can give you a list of 50 or a hundred women who would do it.
0: That'd be great. Well, Lori, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on. Um,
1: yeah. Thank you yeah. both. It was my yeah, pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's been great. Where people can find you on LinkedIn. Do you want to give out an email address? What do you what do you want yep. for those? Uh
1: find me on LinkedIn uh at Women's Sales Pros, at Scormer Sales on Twitter, Instagram. Um, we're around, Facebook, you know, you name it. We're out there. Love to Perfect. connect with people.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Lori. We really appreciate Thank it.
1: Thank you. Thank you guys. Bye bye.